Welcome to the Florida Divorce Podcast, your source for the information you need to successfully get through your divorce and into the next exciting chapter of life. Now, here's your host, Attorney Scott Kalish. Hey everyone, my name is Scott Kalish and I am a divorce and family law attorney here in South Florida. Today I want to talk to you about the components of a parenting plan and I want to talk to you about exactly what goes into a parenting plan. So essentially, you know, a parenting plan is a document that either the court will come up with if the parents cannot reach an agreement themselves. So in a divorce case, when there are minor children or a child involved, the court or you will have to come up with a parenting plan. Or in a paternity case, which is essentially when two people that are unmarried have a child, the court still has to determine who the legal father is and and adjudicate paternity, right? In a case like that, it's the exact same thing as a divorce in, in terms of a parenting plan. The two are identical and a parenting plan has to be implemented. So either through the court or through the parents. Obviously, if the parents cannot agree as to a parenting plan, a court in either case will um, determine what's in the best interest of the child or children. So let's talk about the components of a parenting plan, okay? So the first major component, one of the most important components is the time-sharing aspect of a parenting plan. Now, I just want to make a side note here. In Florida, we no longer use the term custody. We use the term time sharing, which basically means how much time is each parent going to spend with the child, right? So how much time during the week is the mother going to spend and how much time is the father going to spend? Essentially, a court will divide the weeks, the months, and determine when each parent should have time sharing, right? So Overnight timesharing specifically, that's usually the most common. Sometimes if a court in like an extreme situation, if a court finds that it's not in the best interest of the child or children to spend overnight with one parent because of some extreme reason, right? Abuse, drugs, alcohol, something like that, or maybe they're very unstable, then a court will look at and determine, all right, what time during the day can a parent have with the child, but that's in the most extreme cases. Also, with the time-sharing aspect or component of a parenting plan, the court's going to look at holiday holidays, right? Which holidays are both parents going to spend with the child or children? Summertime sharing, spring break, those certain times. So essentially, the time-sharing component is basically a schedule and it's a roadmap for, you know, when is the mother going to have the children? When is the father going to have the children? Also, something to keep in mind, the parenting plan will set up your pickup and drop-off location. Sometimes it's um, a house. Sometimes it's a, a midway point between the two parties in a public place. Again, in an extreme situation, maybe at a police department. So it just depends upon your unique set of facts. So the next important aspect of a parenting plan is what's called parental responsibility, right? So the time-sharing component is probably one of the most important. The second most important is, or equally important, is the parental responsibility portion. This is essentially the aspect of the parenting plan that determines who makes major decisions, right, on behalf of the child. And when I talk about major decisions, I'm really talking about, you know, the health, education, welfare of the child. Who's making the decision as to if a child gets surgery or if a child gets, you know, a major medical procedure, who makes the decisions regarding if the child 
is going to attend uh, public school versus private school, right? If let's just say money really isn't a factor, or if there's a chance that maybe the child gets into, you know, a great public school or maybe like a charter school or something, you know, it's who makes that major life decision on behalf of the child. So I would say the vast majority of the time, the court will order that both parents have shared parental responsibility, which means both parents will have a 50-50 vote for these major decisions. You're probably wondering, well, what happens when the parents can't agree if they both have a 50-50 vote? What's the tiebreaker? Well, unfortunately, if there's a dispute over a major decision, you have to go back to court. It has to be such an important decision and the parties are at such gridlock that it's worth it to spend thousands of dollars to go back to court to have a judge decide. I have a case right now where that's exactly what we're doing. Both parents have shared parental responsibility and they cannot come to an agreement regarding where the child attends school. And their parenting plan was a little vague. And because of that, they're back in court. So that's why it's very, very important that if you have shared parental responsibility, you forecast into the future and and you try your best to determine and ascertain what issues may arise just based on the two personalities of the parents, because you don't want to spend thousands of dollars going through a divorce and then a couple of years later not agree on something and have to go back to court to duke it out. You just just doesn't make sense, right? So that's shared parental responsibility. Usually parents, you know, there's a lot of fighting, obviously if they can't agree, but usually they're able to agree and they both understand that, you know, it's probably not in the best interest for anybody to go back to court to have a judge be the tiebreaker, but you know, it does happen. So the next flavor of parental responsibility is ultimate decision-making authority or shared parental responsibility with ultimate decision-making, right? That's what it's called. That's essentially when a court designates one parent to ultimately make the last call. So both parents by law would have to confer and talk about the decision. You know, the, the both parents have to consider the other parent's position, but ultimately if the parents can't agree, the court designates, you know, one person to make that decision, right? This is sort of rare, you know, this is really when there's, there's a lot of conflict in the case while it's pending. And maybe a judge, maybe one of the parties brings something to the judge's attention, right? To, to like a major issue that's currently pending. And a judge says, yeah, you know what? In this type of case, we are going to designate one parent as the decision maker because a child shouldn't be held up because one parent or both parents can't come to an agreement. So this is a situation where a judge will look at one party and say, hey, listen, you guys have to both confer and talk about the decision, but ultimately one parent is going to be making the decision. Another situation could be if one parent is just not competent to make decisions, right? If they have a really bad track record um, of making poor decisions or, or or maybe they've been you know in and out of the child's life and just cannot be dependent upon to adequately communicate and get back to the other parent for one reason or the other. I would say the next most extreme example is sole parental responsibility. Now, this is very extreme. This is essentially when the court says, hey, listen, one parent makes all of the decisions, all of the major decisions, and you know the parent making the decision doesn't even have to confer with the other parent. Again, this is in the most extreme case. It's typically in the best interest of children that both parents are involved with uh, major decisions affecting the child or children. So, that's parental responsibility. So just to recap, you know, we have time sharing and parental responsibility as probably the most important aspects of a parenting plan. Those two items have to be in there or a court will not implement a parenting plan. Just so you know, 
the law in Florida says, hey, the parents can come up to whatever agreement they want, but ultimately the judge has a final say because a judge is required by law to do what's in the best interest of a child or, or children. And there is case law and law in Florida that, that gives the, you know, the judge the power to almost veto a parenting plan. If, if a judge reviews the parenting plan and says, hey, you know what? It's not in the best interest of the child basically looks at what you've agreed to and said, hey, it's not in the best interest of the child or children. Um, a court has the power to you know, not ratify it, not implement it. Obviously, that's a very, very, very rare case. You know, I, I've almost never seen that happen, but it does happen. You know, it has happened. So just keep that in mind. Just want to give you an, an idea as to the dynamic and how things work in court, in family law. So the next, another important aspect of a parenting plan is communication. By law, a parenting plan has to include how the parents will communicate with the child when they're not having time sharing and also how frequently. So a lot of clients, they want a daily phone contact, maybe a daily FaceTime or video chat with the child if they're not going to be with the child, but that has to be in there. Um, another thing that has to be in there is um, a line about insurance. How is the child going to be insured? That's also very important. Other items that can be in there, they don't have to be in there, but they can be in there are like travel, out-of-the-country travel, in-state travel. You know, Usually we put lines in about when the parents have to notify that they're going out of the country, out of state with the child, um, when they have to send their itinerary, you know, a good phone number to reach them, you know, an address of where they're staying, flight information, all of that. Extracurricular activities. This is uh, another common item that, that goes into parenting plans. You know, the parenting plan will, will lay out who gets to enroll the child in extracurricular activities. Do both parents have to agree? Can one parent enroll the child if they want to? If that one parent enrolls the child against the other child's wishes, can it be on the other party's, you know, timesharing? That's a big issue that comes up. You know, if one parent has, you know, every weekend or every Saturday, let's say, or every, let's just say every Wednesday, you know, and they want to enroll them in karate every Wednesday night, but that would infringe upon the other parent's time sharing. Well, if the other parent doesn't want to drive across town to uh, take the kid to karate, you know, on his or her time sharing, that should be in there as well. So, you know, you definitely want to think about those things and forecast what can be an issue later on. Also, how are the extracurriculars going to be paid? Obviously, if they're mutually agreed, typically both parties pitch in. But again, like I just said, you know, if it's a extracurricular activity where only one parent enrolls them, you know, and it's against the wishes of the other parent, sometimes in the parenting plan, we, we include, hey, you know what, if you want to do that, and if you want to enroll them against the other parent's wishes, then um, the other parent, you know, is not going to contribute to that extracurricular activity if they don't want to. Also, another aspect of a parenting plan. Obviously, this is when children are younger, but childcare, who, who watches the child? Do both parents have to agree on who watches the child or do the parents get to, uh, you know, unilaterally pick who watches the child? Typically, you know, friends and family members, you know, the, you know, common to both parties, obviously not an issue there, but sometimes, you know, in family law and divorce, people feel a certain way about the other parent picking whoever to watch their children. So that's sometimes in there. I want to talk for a second about enforceability. So get a lot of questions about, all right, well, I have this parenting plan and let's say a judge signs off on it and it's implemented and it's ratified by the judge and, and it's an official document. Now what happens? What if the other parent violates the parenting plan? Well, I can tell you that if one parent violates the parenting plan, if they withhold the child, if they you know refuse to communicate with the child, then the sanction, right, the consequence, the punishment could be contempt. 
and there are a variety of different consequences or or results when you are held in contempt, one of which is, you know, a fine. The court can fine you for violating the parenting plan. The court can require you to pay the other spouse's attorney's fees or the other parent's attorney's fees. That's certainly a possibility. In the most extreme cases, you know, contempt by Florida law, you know, punishment is jail time. You know, obviously that's an extreme, extreme situation and, and you're not likely to get jail time if you violate a parenting plan, but that's always on the table. And, you know, a fine and attorney's fees are certainly, certainly within the realm of of the norm. Also, something to keep in mind is makeup time sharing. You know, if one parent violates the uh, the agreement and they miss days as a result, they can go back and get makeup time sharing. So that's something to keep in mind. I am going to include a link to a sample parenting plan for you guys to take a look at. It should be in the show notes. So parenting plan is pretty extensive and it's exhaustive. So I couldn't go through every single line during this episode, but I will provide a link in the show notes so you guys can check it out and take a look at what, uh, get a feel for, you know, what a parenting plan looks like. So that's the major components of a parenting plan. I hope you found some value in this. If you like the podcast, please give it a five-star review. Really appreciate that. If you have a question, please feel free to ask it. Um, You can email it to me at scott at kjlawfla.com. If you give me permission, I'm happy to, you know, answer the question on the podcast. Again, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and a great week. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Florida Divorce Podcast. To learn the 10 secrets behind every successful divorce, visit floridadivorcepodcast.com. If you'd like Scott's help in your divorce case, go to kjlawfla.com.